Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. This week we have Jordan Hoversham. Did I say that correctly? You did. Awesome. All right. And he is part of Haleywood Recording Studios. So, uh, Jordan, welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. So let's give the listeners a little bit about yourselves. How did you get into music? And then kind of how did you get into the the other side of the glass, so to say, in the recording studio? All right, for sure. Well, I I was always kind of interested in music. And, you know, I played like trumpet in middle school and high school. And then that transitioned to guitar lessons. And um, then I kind of was drawn more to rap and hip hop and car stereos. And that kind of started my, you know, electronics wormhole, you know? So fast forward a little bit out of high school, I had a buddy who was going to MMI and I didn't really know, you know, what an engineer is like, well, you know, a, a lot of people apologies, mom and dad, if you listen, but a lot of people just think like, Oh, you're a DJ. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a DJ. So <laughs> he kind of just opened my eyes to like, you know, the first time seeing Pro Tools and seeing recorded audio, I was kind of, you know, my my nerd senses were tingly. So, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, you know, that kind of opened that up and I ended up going to MMI with a buddy of mine. And then I moved back up to Eau Claire and just started working with rap artists or singer songwriters pretty much you know anything i could accommodate in a bedroom studio and then i reached out to you know the couple studios around and would go out there for you know if i had to do like drums and then come back and do overdubs and you know the dream was always to have my own place and so last summer i you know kind of committed to building this place got a shed in the backyard and yeah, since then I've been Tim the Tool Man out here, went to YouTube University trying to figure out how to soundproof and drywall and wire everything up. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, you and I are not kind of the same boat. I I've been doing audio engineering for since the early two thousands. I went to the recording workshop out in Chillicothe, summer of oh one or oh two it's a blur by now but i'm a high school band director by trade and i also run the recording arts club at the high school so we have a lot to talk about today cool cool so for our listeners out there though they don't really care about me but more about you so what are you where are you basically located and what do you feel is like your your niche all right. Well, I'm uh, a little north of Eau Claire. I was going to say, man, you uh, you nailed the last name better than any substitute teacher I've ever had <laughs> in my life. But uh, the the Hollywood, I, I named it that because Lake Halley is, it's like 10 minutes north of Eau Claire. So I'm actually not in the Madison area, but oh, okay. it's, it's totally cool, man. I uh, I probably put in my you know bio thing that I went to Madison Media Institute. So I'm like uh, 10 minutes north of Eau Claire. And, you know, it's it's pretty accessible as far as like, Highway 53 and 29 are like, I could almost throw a rock to the uh, intersection of that. So, okay. you know, it's, I have some people from the cities, from Wausau, it's, you know, it's pretty easy to get here, but 
yeah, then uh, niche wise, I I'm kind of trying to spread my wings a little bit by opening the studio. I will say, you know, I although I was limited in my first, well, I graduated in uh, same here. I can't remember if it was 2011 or 12, but <laughs> in or around. Yeah, right. You know, mostly doing vocals, which, you know, after a certain time is like, I, you know, I want to do more. But I realized that that was maybe a blessing in disguise, if you will, because vocals, you know, as you know, can be one of the hardest instruments to mix because everybody knows what a voice sounds like like mm-hmm. if you're doing like synths and sample drums is like well the weirder the better for synths but instruments like piano or guitar or especially the human voice like we you know our hearing is tuned when we're born to you know hear our mother's voice and right recognize that so it's hard to fake that so i just you know when i started to do things more than rap and hip-hop i just always fell back on like if the vocal production is right then you know the vocalist is in the center of the stage for a reason and Mm. the center of the mix so as long as that's believable i mean i'm not saying that the drums could be you know in afterthought but i just that was kind of what i hung my hat on and i mean now i'd i'd like to think i'm you know more well-rounded than i was when i first started but I, i really try to hang my hat on vocal production gotcha so yeah i mean if you think about it majority of the people they want to go and when they go see a band or whatever they want to sing along so if, if there's a very bad vocal production it's 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 a major turnoff for some people yeah absolutely yeah it'll make you hit skip real quick too. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> being that as vocals are being your your main thing but you're also kind of branching out you said you're in your back in your backyard yeah sh- okay so how big you, you called it a shed but how big is your shed well, yeah, my buddies kind of clown me for that. They're like, you got to stop calling it a shed, man. <laughs> but I, I got one of those kind of pre-made sheds like there, you know, alongside of the highway. There's a couple of different companies. And I, I was lucky enough. There was like three different places kind of had show lots around here. So I could kind of walk through, you know, look at the roofs of the ones that had been around. Like, well, this one's a little slanted and the door doesn't close. I think I'll check the next guy's. So, <laughs> so I, the plan was I was going to lay a slab. And, you know, build a structure, but we have a side lot and I got into it a little bit with the village. Okay. <laughs> They're like, you know, if you want to build a slab, you got to combine your lots. We're on a corner. So property taxes that go through the roof, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, so what if I got a portable shed? There's like, They're like, well, there's not much we can do. It's like, right. okay, thank you for your time. Goodbye. <laughs> so ordered that and that came as a shell. And then it's, it's 16 by 32. So the, the control room is about 17 feet. And then, you know, I guess I, I shouldn't be pointing for our audio. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other, so the, the control room's probably like almost two thirds of it. Okay. And then I kind of sectioned out like a little booth and then the rest is, uh, depending on semantics, the, you know, the live room or drum booth right (laughs) Um, but i i tried to you know yeah this is has been a lifelong dream and i know that like you know if i move in the next house i go to it might be like well this this room is the studio so since i had the chance to 
build it the dimensions I want. I kind of, you know, went through the wormhole of the Setmeyer golden ratios, Mm -hmm. tried to make sure I wasn't setting myself up for modes and nodes that were going to build up. Like, you know, with an eight foot ceiling, you don't want your room to be 12 feet wide and 16 feet long, or there's not enough treatment in the world to save your butt. Yeah. I tried to do due diligence there. Also, when I got the place, it had this, you know, cool siding, whatever. And I thought like a typical house, you're going to have like your plywood and then your sheathing on the outside. Well, mm-hmm. the outside was the inside. It was about a, a third of an inch thick. So I, yeah, my first move was to cut out mold and mildew resistant drywall to fit in every pocket of the studs, then insulate that. And then I built every room as a room within a room. So there's, okay. you know, even though it was all framed out, I left a two inch gap framed out the control room then same for the other ones then like the ceilings of these rest on the walls of individual rooms so i uh, i should have a, you know there's no way to test it until there's no 50 percent point where you're like oh is this gonna work is like no when i put the last door on is like did i do it right right so i'm still uh patiently waiting that day but i mean i've been trying to you know really follow it to the letter because just everything that I read is like, look, if you're going to skip one step, then just don't do it at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's either you you go full full tilt or you don't do it at all. Basically. Exactly. Exactly. So for listeners that are interested in coming up to you and doing some projects, for example, let's say a four piece rock band wants to come in. What, what should they prepare for when they're coming to your studio? Um, well, I wanted to build, a, you know, the the place big enough to be able to track it live. If that's, you know, if bands are playing out a lot and they're super tight and that's how they always play it, I wanted to be able to accommodate that, even though, you know, most times in my past, it had been kind of the uh, brick by brick method. Mm-hmm. So the live room is big enough for like a, a drum set and a guitar player and bass. And I have like an ISO room kind of built in the booth i mean i don't want to give you too many hand signals here and right show you but but essentially i kind of angled off in my last third of the shed the booth kind of goes to an angle and then like behind that is where like my electrical boxes the cisco switcher for all the ethernet and all that so that's also going to double as a, a iso room so that way like if if in the live room i have drums guitar player and his amp you know we could always put the bass amp in the ISO or the guitar amp in the ISO and run the bass DI and then vocalist in the vocal booth and everything's, you know, double walls, double doors. So in theory, I should be able to be at full volume in here, drummer bashing out there and the vocalist will be none the wiser. Gotcha. Cool. So let's back up even a little bit more. Say a band is starting to think about going to a recording studio. What are some things, some tips you could give a group, an artist, you know, what have you, before they even call a studio? What do you think they should be preparing for? Well, I, you know, there's there's so many different, I guess, ways to approach recording nowadays. It's, you know, I, I'd say one is like playing to a click, whether that's even just a singer songwriter or you know a drummer that can just be if they if you've never played to a click track before it can be kind of jarring and you know like i had a, a singer songwriter come in and he's kind of playing the song and i just tapped the tempo out and 
like five of the six songs it worked but one of them it just didn't so you know then you got to go through and beat detective it but i just right. did that as a fail safe because i just kind of explained to him like if you if all we want to do is record guitar and vocals like that's fine but if you ever wanted to make these like full productions you know it just it gives us a little leeway there right to, you know put some scratch drums behind it and have a drummer come in or you know i'm capable of programming drums if you like how they sound we can ride with that and bring in a bass player but yeah i mean it it just it can be different playing to a click it can be different playing in headphones so i mean i would even say like you know if if a band's jamming out try to work some way that like even if it's like a little zoom interface and then you run some headphones and a splitter off that just so you're hearing the band in headphones as opposed to live that it, it you know might not sound like a big deal but it can be you know it can be very different and take you out of your comfort zone so if you come in here or to any studio you know like i can play it to a click i can play it not to a click i can play it without headphones i can play it with headphones that just kind of allows any method of of recording cool cool yeah that's good advice yeah definitely you know bands that I have had the pleasure of working with as well is like sometimes I say at least practice with a click and when we get to the studio and if you feel really confident with your tempos and you don't want to do it with a click but you've been practicing with it you know you guys are going to be able to do it well without it if you're you know if you're listening to each other and you're just you know locked in because sometimes that happens yeah yeah no you're absolutely right then it's like running with the weights off you know it just right. practice into the click just tightens them up Exactly, exactly. Now, what are some other things that you've experienced over the time of being a recording engineer that would help listeners out there that are looking forward to doing, you know, a recording project? Well, he, here's maybe something kind of cool. I just like to, if you just feel like you're kind of in a funk or I'm writing the same song over and over, mm -hmm. one thing I found kind of cool is to put on, you know, either a movie they like or maybe a movie they've never seen and on mute right and then just watch a scene and, and kind of score it whether it be with just your guitar or or whatever you know because it'll it'll kind of get you out of your rhythms maybe and yeah. that can kind of be a good thing to like shake things up and bring out some emotions and then you know sometimes if you feel like you're writing the same song over and over and say you're you know writing down tempo kind of melancholy music is like well watch something happy and see what comes out or it, the reverse can be true too is like you know people will be like well you know i can't write sad songs my life's pretty good it's like well watch a watch a movie that can tear at the heartstrings a little bit and then you can almost you know put yourself in their position and then you know then the emotion that's coming through is still you know, authentic although it might not be yours if you're like feeling for them i don't know if that make sense or not yeah you know? definitely yeah yeah you get inspired by something that you weren't even thinking about at that moment it's just like a complete shift it's like you took a right turn instead of you know going left kind of thing yeah 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 Absolutely. cool so what about the listeners out there that are interested in becoming a recording engineer what kind of advice do you have for them well first of all don't you better not like money <laughs> <laughs> well that's almost for every musician out there too <laughs> yeah no no for sure i mean i'm like being a little tongue-in-cheek yeah here. i know i i 
I mean, I, I will say too, is like, you know, most engineers, I don't want to say are failed musicians because we're all no. still working on our albums, right? They just, right, right. Know, we just drop them every 10 years, like Dr. Day or something. They're just slightly less anticipated. Right. But I, I mean, that's uh, really what drew me to it is like going to, going to MMI, you know, I wanted to be the all singing, all dancing producer, play every instrument. And, you know, I had buddies in class, like when, when we're in production classes, They'd whip up an instrumental in the class period that be like, I had worked for days on my composition and it doesn't compare to that. And they're like, well, you know, my dad was in the church band and yada, blah, blah. And then when it came to studio class, it was like, hey, Jordan, my mic isn't working. Hey, Jordan. It, so it just, you know, for me, it was kind of a get in where you fit in type of deal. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I would say like, it's it's still a creative process and i try to you know that's what um gives me my creative fulfillment is you know mixing and mastering and coming up with ideas and trying wild stuff that may or may not work but you know i i would say like you you have to be down with with the nerd aspect <laughs> of it because i i don't necessarily you know my buddies they, they think that i'm like an it guy too because i fit you know got my computer up and going it's like no man i know this percentage of computers and that's to keep my pro tools running right, right, <laughs> you know right. so but you know that being said is like i i feel like you have to be you know open to at least a little bit of electronics and you know i and some things more than others. Like I'm sure some people are far better at computers than me and, and all that, but like electronics is kind of, it's cool for me to see how stuff works. So I, I build like a lot of DIY kits and solder up preamps because, you know, you can buy a knee pre for 700 to a thousand dollars, or you can get an AML kit for 230 bucks. And, you know, so I just mean maybe like, you know, be ready to embrace the inner nerd because it'll it'll come in handy with acoustics. And I mean, things that I, you know, didn't even think of or we didn't even really touch on in school. You know, yeah. sometimes the schooling will give you like the baseline yep. to be able to understand the YouTubes you need to watch. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, it basically yeah you you learn the language in school and then you go down your own wormholes and then it's like when you start getting into electronics acoustics is like those can be their own discipline you could just focus on that and stop engineering you know and be yeah. an electronics repairman or an acoustician but i just try to stay open to all that and like don't let it scare me and i guess you know to answer your question instead of just rambling i be i just want to you know i'd say be open to things that even, you know, you, you don't know they exist or you haven't tried them. So you don't know that be like, well, I could never understand that is like, well, like, trust me, I'm not, I'm not the brightest crane in the box and I still can figure out my electronics and resistors and, you know, so. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, for, you know, for me, when I was starting out, I was like, schematics was like such a foreign language to me i was just like i don't know if i'm ever going to understand any of this but if you just you know just like anything if you just keep working at it and every failure is a stepping stone to success so eventually you're going to get it yeah absolutely no for sure and it's the same with an instrument or whatever you know yep. like picking up a guitar for the first time like you're not going to be shredding in a week no you know, it's going to get frustrating and it's it's funny how sometimes you know that stuff will mirror itself like 
with guitar if you're practicing and it seems like you're getting worse and worse and then you set it down for a week and you come back to the song and you just lace it is like yep where did that come from and it's the same with electronics it's like you get to a mental block and you you know screw up a piece that doesn't work and then you have to go and figure out why it doesn't work and then something will just click like oh mm-hmm. and now you know now i've overcame that and i'm ready for the <laughs> the next challenge you know exactly exactly you know like the other day i'm i'm setting up a, a midi keyboard and stuff and like why why i mean it's getting signal to the channel but it's not giving me any audio like what's going on it's like all of a sudden i went wait click this little button like auto monitoring oh now i'm getting exactly what i'm looking for it's like why didn't i think of that right away it's just sometimes you just get that little mental block you just overthink something and you just like oh you totally missed something and then all of a sudden you remember something and like oh it all comes back together well yeah and and it'll never happen again exactly you know exactly like that's in the toolbox now yep exactly it's like if someone gives you all the answers you're not going to learn anything and then what good is that well, yeah, no, you, I mean, you you hit on something right there. It's like you know, a lot of people will be like, hey, man, can you teach me how to mix? I'm like, sure, I'll teach you how to mix. Mix a thousand songs. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, that, that, and I, I'm, you know, I, I don't say it in that voice. I'm being right, right. Here, but it's like, there's no other way. You could, you know, it's good to read books. And in building this place, I started to feel more like a uh, construction worker than an engineer. Yeah. So, the whole time I'd be listening to podcasts. I mean, yours included and recording studio rock stars and working yep. class audio, yep. this, that, and the other. And that kind of helped me stay connected to recording. And then, you know, you're listening to those and they're talking about this trick that they did or how they got this, you know, reverb or putting a piezo pickup on an acoustic guitar. And, you know, all that little stuff is like noted, noted. Yep. You yep. know, it's just and then, the vocabulary. Right. And then you have to go and do it. Otherwise, you're, you might forget all about it. Yeah, absolutely. So another aspect of being a studio owner is the business side. What are some things about the business side you can tell people that, you know, no matter if they're a musician or looking to become, you know, a studio owner, things that you've learned over the time of doing this that you didn't even think might be something that you needed to know? Um. Yeah, I mean, just treating it like a business, I guess that I I hope this answers the question, but like whether it's a band or a studio is like we all start doing it because we love it. And then in the initial stages, I mean, we all struggle with like the imposter syndrome and, you know, things like that or charging because then a lot of people like even if initially I'm working with my friends and then you start to work with strangers, but like you're working on music, you're helping them create something that's very dear to them. Like most of the people I work with end up becoming friends. Mm -hmm. So then it's like money gets weird. And, you know, with bands, I'm sure it's, it's the same type of deal. I've, you know, haven't professionally been in a band, you know, just my band days ended in high school, but like, I don't know. I I just heard somebody kind of explain it and I'm sure I'm going to butcher it. But essentially, they were saying, like, if you don't charge enough, you know, or it could because money always gets weird and man, money will kill the creativity. If you have that talk, like I always try to have like the money talk first before somebody comes in here because I hate talking money like I hate money, (laughs) you know, that's why I'm an engineer. Yeah. But but, uh, that can kill the creative vibe. But what I had to kind of overcome 
is like, you know, somebody was just saying, they're like, look, if you don't charge enough, you're going to be out of this business. So you, you have to, you know, not saying rake people over the call, no. but you have to know your worth because if you don't charge enough and you're going to be out of business in three years, what if somebody was going to come to you in five years that was going to make like an album that changed their life or right. other people's lives or, you know what I mean? So it was like kind of that kind of helped me overcome the hump of like, well, if I want to be here being able to provide a service, I have to make sure that, you know, I'm I'm charging more than, you know, more than I initially did. We'll just gotcha. say that because then things like taxes come in yeah. and, you know, wear and tear on equipment and tubes and, you know, it just. It, it all adds up and that's the same with the band like you know traveling with gear i'm sure and, and then splitting money i'm sure that can be kind of you know a, a point of contention so it's just like you know it it sucks to have to look at it like a business and sometimes that can take the fun out of it but like you know knowing your worth will make sure that you're able to provide your service for longer gotcha gotcha so did you do like research i like call other studios in your area see how much they charge or how did you figure out where your your medium or your baseline prices were going to start well i had when i had my my basement studio that i uh, affectionately called the blanket for it because i i just had a bunch of moving blankets around you know that was my sound treatment gotcha um, I had a couple panels up and stuff too, but I had, you know, worked with, and I still have a, you know, a good relationship with most of the studios around here. So, you know, I kind of knew what everybody's charging and I'm, you know, not the most expensive, but I'm not the cheapest either. So you do, I mean, exactly what you said, you kind of got to, you can't price yourself out of the market either. Right. So, you know, you got to make sure the phone's still ringing, mm. but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough deal to kind of figure out what it's worth. And then in the past couple of years with prices hiking and oh, everything else is right. like, you know, I, I had to raise prices too. And then, you know, you got to have the conversation with people like, you know, I'm, I'm not doing this just because I decided to like, if, if groceries double, You're you right. know, then, you know, prices got to go up too. I, I can't, I yeah. can't charge my three years ago price for a project today. Either. Exactly, exactly. It's like, is there is the bubble going to burst eventually? I mean, we can't just keep hiking prices left and right, you know, the back yeah, end to the front end. It's just going to, it's got to explode eventually like everything else. Well, yeah, they can't just keep printing more money. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they are, but I, right. it stops. <laughs> yeah, because eventually everybody's going to be living in a cardboard box pretty soon if prices keep going up like yeah crazy. no no for sure i mean i hope we're out of it and like in building this place too you know the other deal is is like i you know this place costs about th a little more than i thought it was gonna yeah so prices gotta go up you know because i've invested in that and then you know a but i do i did try to cut corners and where i could as mm -hmm. in like diying the things i was able to but, you know, I I have a significant chunk kind of tucked away in here and I try mm -hmm. to have like a couple of choice microphones and kind of, you know, and I might not be everybody's flavor either. But what I kind of tried to do and this, you know, a lot of studios up here and the ones that I work with and, you know, this is I'm not saying this in like negative connotations, but they kind of have like an, an up north cabin feel. And like if that's what somebody calls for and they're looking for. I'll give them numbers of the other studios and be yeah. like, hey, you know, go talk to my buddy at this studio, talk to my buddy at this studio, talk to my buddy at this studio, go take a tour, check the vibe out because that might be 
more suited to you. I want exactly. to do something a little more modern, which is kind of, you know, in the name of Hollywood, like the, the town up here is called Lake Halley. And I just kind of called it the first place we lived in. It was known affectionately known as the tank farms. And there's <laughs> a, a bit of stigma up there, you know? And so I, I just said it, you know, I always would tell my friends when they were coming up, like, oh yeah, I moved up to Hollywood now. So then when we moved to this spot, I just, you know, I had a couple of studio names and people were like, no, man, that's, that's, that's you, that's your name. But cool. I, 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 you know, initially it's like the name is kind of to not take myself too serious, but at the same note, w w you know, I wanted to live up to the name a little bit and, you know, it, it looks pretty modern in here and I'm, yeah. you know, on my way to heaven at most and I want to, you know, stay up on the newest trends and I, you know. Yeah. I was going to ask you about some of the, the new technologies coming up and how you're working with those for one of the things I was going to ask you is like, Things like studio or audio movers where you can do mixing over the internet with people or even recording. And then, and then I was going to get over to Atmos and seeing if you were going to go that direction as well. Yeah, I, I haven't, I mean, I've done a fair amount of research into the audio movers and Soundflower and things like that, but I, I never ended up really doing a ton of, you know, the, the recording with no latency or, or whatever. Right. I don't know. I see. I put myself in a bit of a, well, I mean, you know, I was held through the pandemic. A lot of people couldn't, you know, we couldn't leave. We couldn't. Yeah. Uh, so I had kind of pieced together. I'd call, you know, my uh, rep at Sweetwater and put together a package for people because they'd be like, okay, I need to record. It's like, well, what's your budget? What are you looking at doing? Do you need speakers? Do you just want headphones? Blah, blah, blah. Right. So I ended up facilitating getting a bunch of artists around here, home studios. And now it's like, hey, man, you know, forget all that. Come in here now. <laughs> but <clears throat> so instead of the audio movers route, I had almost, you know, kind of made people, you know, or, or helped them be able to record at home so I could just do the mixing if they we transferred me the stem. Right, right. And now I just kind of, I want to get in, you know, the ground floor things and, you know, have more than just like interface preamps and, you know, MXL mics and stuff. And nothing against, I'm not, you know, not yeah. knocking the brand in total. I just mean like I, I wanted to have, you know, you know, higher quality. I wanted to have like the treatment in this room, Graham from Music City Acoustics gave me like four plans, mild to wild. And the wild plan was the whole back wall is bass trap. So I went with wow. three, three of four on the crazy scale. Gotcha. But, you know, I got the whole ceiling is clouds. I got bass traps in all four corners. There's about 16 panels around the side. So, I mean, it's a fine line between dead and tight in here. Mm -hmm. and I auditioned my, my buddy in town. That as a Eau Claire Pro Audio, Zach, he, I found his store on Reverb and he had like some barefoots. At the time I had some ATC SEM 20s, but I was looking at getting these PMCs. Yeah. He had like three or four sets of like really nice monitors for sale. I'm like, listen, dude, I don't know who you are or how you, you know, what you're doing with all these monitors, but you let me know when's a good time to buy you a coffee. We need to have a little talk. So. <laughs> He he brought his monitors over. I ordered the um, these PMCs with the intention of returning them if my ATCs beat them out. So I I was able to audition like four or five pairs of very nice monitors in my space, which 
you know, would not be attainable usually. Like I can't go to Vintage King in in Nashville or LA and audition them or whatever. Right. You go to Guitar Center and it's like they're they're kind of on like a storage rack in a yeah. small glass room. Is like this isn't my room. They don't even have all the ones I want. And yeah, so I mean, I I just tried to get you know like bang for my buck as as good of a monitoring environment I could mm-hmm. get. And then that kind of led me down the Atmos wormhole and I have the ceiling firing speakers set up. I'm waiting to get the full array ar- around, but b- before I jump off that deep end, I got to finish me live room here. I'm I'm drywalling right now, so gotcha. I mean, the light's at the end of the tunnel, but I do plan to have Atmos fully up and running, you know, by spring, summer next year. Gotcha. That's something that really, you know, really interests me. I think that's super cool. And I, I believe in it, even though like the 5.1 didn't take off. Just, you know, I heard a couple people talking about it and just like, like we got to listen to quad mixes in school, the dark side mm-hmm. stuff. And it's awesome. But like a lot of people, unless you're an audiophile, you don't even sit in one space and listen. Right. You know, I mean, I even find myself doing it with my, you know, my Amazon devices, you know, it's like, hey, play this song, play this podcast. And now I'm walking around doing dishes, doing laundry. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Right. So just I, what's cool about the Atmos is like the whole object based thing where like, you know, as we know, in if you have a stereo track and you're you're looking at it in your DAW, unless Logic, I think they only like show one of the tracks. But anyways, you know, a stereo track is just two audio tracks linked to each other. The mm-hmm. 5.1 mix is six of them. Yeah, five speakers in your low frequency channel, and there's just six waveforms. Is like this goes through this speaker, this goes through this. So the whole object based thing that kind of sold me on it. Where like you know you can if you have a sound bar that has three you know left right center and then like you can add two of the sonos ones just drop them behind you and then as long as you let your interface know is like well what are we playing this through one speaker mm-hmm. three speakers how many ceiling firings how many surrounds yeah it's just super cool to me and you know it makes me believe that that is the way of the future and i also you know in in my time of you know trying different things to see what sticks i've done a couple of short films and i'm working with a company in town now that puts out a a fair amount of shorts it's like four people together a collective and i'm gonna you know be doing all their audio and so atmos is like a must when it comes to that too yeah i just figured that opened the doors and i i also just found it cool that like you know people I mean, in in bigger cities where uh, there's a lot more Atmos rooms, people are starting to create with the idea instead of like, hey, take my two-track mix and make it Atmos. Like, okay, well, I'll add a longer reverb for the side and a longer, longer reverb for the rear. Atmos. (laughs) Right, right. It's like if people are creating with the idea that this is going to be immersive, I just, I think that that, you know, can be like another way for people to express themselves or create cool environments or, you know, experiences for the listener. And I'm all in. I'm so. So yeah, we were talking about Atmos. Now 
Yeah, because, you know, like you said, you know, Quad was back in like the 70s, and then we had 5.1, which came out, I think, in like the late 80s, early 90s, I think. I'm trying to remember the dates when that started kind of. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. Yeah, and now we have this Atmos, and for listeners out there, if you're not sure what Atmos is, it's, I think it's up to nine speakers. I think it's like, what, two basses, and then... And then you have ones above you, behind you, and in front of you, if I remember correctly how that's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, from my understanding, it can be like up to 128 speakers because like then Atmos mixes, it basically the theaters will use the same file as we would. So right. to, to mix in it, they recommend having at least, because like the, you know, and I'm saying this for the, the people who have, you know, no no experience or right no prior knowledge like yeah your your 5.1 setup which like you know a couple of my uncles had a couple of my buddies had in their basement but nobody really used it for music because you know one a lot of people don't sit still that long (laughs) you know and and like listen to an album right and and two you had to buy the SACD or the DVD audio. Yep. So another reason I think Atmos is going to survive is like right now, if you have iTunes or Spotify or Tidal, you can just go in and switch it to Atmos. And if you have like the, the Apple earbuds, the pros. The newest and, ones, yeah. Yeah, then you can turn on immersive audio. And like if you move your head, the mix stays in front of you. Right. You know, and and that's pretty cool. And just the the 5.1 was like, you know, left, center, right right rear, left rear, point one is your low frequency. So right. Atmos adds another point. So whatever's after that, the third number is your ceiling firings. So for mixing, they recommend at least 7.1.4. So in addition to the left, center, right, rear, right, rear, left, you'll also have two lateral channels about at your ear, a little bit behind you. And uh, you can either have one sub or two, so point one or point two, either you know a sub on each side or just the one and then point four so you have two in front of you on the ceiling and two behind you on the ceiling but you know i mean you can have 9.2.6 or yeah. you know a hundred point whatever the theaters are they i think they have a, up to 128 speakers is what the the theater mix will get and that's not even a different file which is the coolest thing to me right because it just Copulates itself down into whatever format you're listening to, from mono to to big explosive, like you said, theater type stuff. Yeah, exactly, and that that is what also, you know, the reason I think it's going to survive is you don't have to then go rebuy your music catalog. You just click a button in wherever you listen to music already, and it's like, oh, boom, Atmos mix, cool, done. Right, right, cool. Yeah. So the future of technology is going to be an interesting journey over the next, I think, decade to two decades. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with all that kind of stuff, you know, because they might even start putting that stuff in your, you know, your cars and stuff, some kind of Atmos type thing. Who knows? I I think Tesla is maybe either has done it or is, you know, teasing the fact because I mean, what, you know, you're already in a, a surround environment you know with the speakers around you they just initially is like everything on the left plays one thing everything on the right plays another but you know if they just route it different then i'm pretty sure uh the tesla is going to be you know having at most compatible so it's, yeah it's crazy gonna bring the car mix to a a, a whole new level huh right exactly exactly <laughs> check my mix in the car <laughs> Is there anything else we haven't talked about that you think that you'd like to listeners to know about? Shoot, I feel like I've been just tangenting the whole time. I no, man. I I think uh, you know you covered a bunch of it. Just you know, uh, 
I I want to encourage artists who like the studio seems daunting or, you know, a lot of people I reach out to will, you know, somebody in the band records them. And usually that's like the same guy who will do their live sound or something. And I, I don't know how, how to just say this without sounding like I'm, I'm being a jerk. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this from a point of like, experience uh, yeah yeah and like also like like for their sake to like realize your music to the highest quality like i've had messages with people and they're like well you know we went to a studio and it sounded the same as the blah 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 you know when our bass player records it and it's like well what studio so then i do a little research and it's like well if they have like some perception 2020s and focus right sapphire or scarlet and your bass player has a focus right and them like wouldn't it be weirder if it sounded different right you know I mean? exactly. and and so i just i wanted to have an environment that's treated where like the playback here I, i'm very happy with how it came out like this sounds better than any any room to my recollection that we had in school and there was like right. some pretty cool setups there and just that allows you whether it's in the recording mixing or mastering phase to like to make decisions with you know in certain rooms or even rooms that i've had set up initially you know where i'm recording in a closet and my for the vocal booth and my speakers are in a corner or one's in a corner so i'm getting way more bass from that side is like then you know you neuter it and take out all the 200 300 hertz go play it in the car and it's like well this don't, yeah. you know this don't sound right like yeah. you just you just took all all the power out of it that's why <laughs> yeah. you, you you did that with your eq right so, you know and i'm talking you as in me right so i just you know i tried to set up a place that you know i feel can be like conducive to creativity and where you're being able to you know make accurate decisions during all phases of it you know, I feel like it's, you know, just like building this place, like it's the little things that count. And when they, they stack up on each other, like being able to hear like the separation and depth. And I, I had a lot of trouble before this room, like getting reverb to sound right, you know, too little, too much. And I, I kind of, I think I cracked the egg here in when I would go to add reverb before, you know, you're putting on a fake reverb onto a sound that yeah. would probably recorded in a room that wasn't treated so that sound has a lot of reverb then i'm mm -hmm. adding a fake reverb in my speakers pumping that out into my drywall room which is then exciting the room yeah so you're hearing like three reverbs only one of them is there where you know this here having it so so tight in here is like i i'm confident in adding spatial effects and things like that you know that is like this this is gonna translate and yeah you know i just even though the live room isn't done i've been having a lot of bands in to just come check the place out listen to some tunes and it, it you know it it makes me feel good when people are like i've listened to this song for 15 years i never heard that organ part on that third chorus you know <laughs> it's like i'm like Oh, that's awesome. I love yeah. that because when that happens to me, I'm like, you know, I get goosebumps and yep. stuff. And so I've, I've just been trying to have people uh, come in here and kind of get the vibe. And, you know, it, it might not be for everybody. And like I said, I have good relationships with all the other area studios. I either worked with them, still work with them, you know, still conversate with them. Like, you know, it's it, try to help each other out and be in the 
not the scarcity mindset, you know, being the blue sea, not the red one. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Where can people find you out in the interweb areas? Well, Hollywood.com is the website. And then like the Instagram and Facebook are Hollywood Recording Company. So I know that can be a mouthful, but yeah, H-A-L-L-I-E-W-O-O-D, like Hollywood, but Hollywood and then Recording Company. Gotcha. And I'll put that all in the in the show details as well. So Jordan, thank you so much for being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. It was a lot of information, positive and great learning things and tips and all that other great stuff coming from you. So thank you so much for being on the show. Well, man, I appreciate you having me and I appreciate what you're doing for, you know, for the community as far as engineers, venues, artists. Uh, it's, it's super cool. And I, yeah, I appreciate your time and all the time you put in after hours as well <laughs> to make this happen, man. Yeah, I know it's it. not easy. Thanks. Thank you so much. Well, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Once again, I'm Zach Fell, your host and creator of the Wisconsin Music Podcast, where I love to amplify the great sounds coming out of the Wisconsin state. We have great talent here, great support, great listeners. Thanks to Fox City's Indie Radio for syndicating this on Wednesdays and Sundays, along with their other great programming. So make sure you check out the Fox City's Indie Radio. And thanks to this week's guest, Jordan Overshome of Haleywood Recording Studios for being on this week's episode. If you'd like to be on the show, just go to wisconsinmusicpodcast.com, fill out the guest request form up at the top, ask for your email and your name, and then I'll send you an auto email asking you for more information. If you are enjoying these episodes, please consider donating to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Donations help pay for the website and putting the podcast up on streaming services and also getting our name out there to all Wisconsinites and others that are interested in our great music here in Wisconsin. Donations are secured through PayPal and Stripe. All you have to do is go to the website and click on Donate to WMP. Once again, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.